So here's where we're headed today. We're talking about leading like Jesus, these two groups of leaders that God has set in his word to lead the church. We're going to be looking at the biblical titles for elders and deacons, the biblical qualifications, the biblical responsibilities that each of these positions entail, and the biblical pattern and power. So we'll start with biblical titles. If you're taking notes today, just jot that down. What are the biblical titles for elders? Well, we see all of the titles in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Uh, here in this passage, we, we see the three terms that are used uh, all throughout the New Testament uh, to describe elders. The, the, the first word is elders. Uh, the Greek word there is presbyteros, where you get the word a Presbyterian, which really just means an elder-led uh, church. And that's often translated into English, uh, elder or bishop. Uh, then Peter tells them to, to shepherd the, the flock. The, the, the root Greek word there is poimen, which means to pastor or to, or to shepherd. And then oversight, exercising oversight. That is another term for elders and overseer, which comes from the Greek word, uh, uh, why can't I talk today? Can't, can't, comes from the Greek word episkopos. I could normally say that word. I don't know what's wrong. Anyway. So here are the three terms for the three titles for a biblical elders. You have pastors and shepherds, you have overseers or bishops, you have, uh, you have uh, elders. Now, some churches take pastors and then they have a, another layer of uh, bishops or, or, or presbyters and then they have a, 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 there's sort of a hierarchy that gets built. But you, as you saw in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's talking to one group of people and calls them all three titles. And so uh, elders are supposed to serve in plurality and they have three titles. Now deacons on the other hand, it's a whole other story. Deacon, there's just one word, diakonos, but it's increasingly difficult to, uh, to really track the word diakonos is because in our English Bibles, diakonos is translated three different ways. Sometimes the word is the word servant. Uh, sometimes it's translated as minister, and only a few times, like in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, and in Titus chapter 3 that we just read, is it translated as, as, uh, as deacon. And so sometimes Greek words are translated, sometimes they're transliterated, and that's what's, uh, what, what's taking place uh, with, the term, uh, with the term deacon. So those are the titles that are given, and as we're going to see as we, as we progress through our study today, we're going to see how those titles actually show us what the responsibilities of these particular leaders are supposed to be. And then, then we move to the qualifications, the biblical qualifications for elders. Now, as you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, and as, as you heard Dinesh reading that passage today, you'll realize that there's a lot of parallels. In fact, most of the qualifications for elders and for deacons are exactly the same, almost word for word. They all have qualifications related to the person's character. They all have qualifications related to the person's family, and they all have qualifications related to the person's maturity. But 
With elders, with pastors, and with overseers, there's two additional qualifications that we're going to be looking at today. They must be able to teach, which is not a requirement for deacons, and they must be men, which, which I will uh, explain why I believe and why our church practices that, uh, that deacons do not have to only be men. But let's talk first and foremost about what elders and deacons have in common. They both have to have godly character. First and foremost, in, in both of the lists, the, the first thing that is emphasized is that if someone is going to be a leader in the church, they have to look like Jesus. They have to be living a life of holiness. And that's why we have this term, above reproach. That means that no one can make an accusation on someone that would stick. Similarly, the deacons in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 8 there says a deacon must be dignified. They must be a respectable, holy person who is living for God and not living for themselves. Verse 2 in chapter 3 uh, says respectable. Verse 7 says they must be well thought of by outsiders. Titus, who gives another, or Paul, when he's writing to Titus, gives another list of qualifications, uses the words upright and holy. And this is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how effective they are in serving and organizing and getting things done. It doesn't matter how good they are at teaching or at administrating and leading. If they don't have character, it stops right there. And, and it, the, the God's Word makes this so clear, and this is so vitally important. And we've seen so much damage happen in the church where someone's giftedness is what gives them a pass to leadership and their effectiveness. But meanwhile, on the inside, in their character, there is... There is sin that is not being repented of. Again, we're not talking about being absolutely perfect, but we're talking about being repentant and growing in holiness. And great damage is done to the church. And quite frankly, great damage is done to the leader when a leader is put in place, when their maturity or their character is not in pace with their gifting. Super gifted people, we can be super thankful for them. But we're not going to put them in a position of leadership until their character lines up with their giftedness. You can't allow the one to outpace the other. Also on, on the topic of character, uh, the elders are not to be a, a drunkard. Uh, deacons are not to be addicted to much wine. They, they can't be controlled by any form of substance. They also can't be trolled, controlled by anger, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not arrogant or quick-tempered. They must be a person of self control. They're not given into addictions. They're not giving into uh, anger. That, that when you come and you ask an elder for help or a deacon for help, they're not going to say, call me in the morning when I sober up. That's not a great leader. A great leader needs to be, things happen in the church. And so there's no pass. There's no sort of free time to yourself. You, you can't be given over to these kinds of addictions. You also can't be fearful or sheepish in approaching an elder or a deacon, a deacon if they're quarrelsome or if they're arrogant or if they're violent and they tend to fly off the handle. That's not a helpful leader. And so leaders must be calm and patient and gentle and loving. 
Also on the topic of uh, character, uh, elders and uh, deacons must not be a lover of money. And, and they, uh, similarly, deacons cannot be greedy for dishonest gain. We just collected uh, an offering. God's people are entrusting the elders and deacons to steward the resource that have been given. And so we can't have any sort of hint of greed or, or the love of money among elders or deacons. So the person must have an upright character. Now, all of those things are things that all of us as Christians, I could take you to three or four other verses that say, these aren't just qualifications for elders. These are qualifications for every Christian. We can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. We have to serve God and God alone. We, we cannot let the sun go down in our anger, but we must be patient and gentle with one another. We are all called to be holy. We are all called to live lives that are above reproach. Secondly, elders and deacons are, are qualified in terms of their family, in terms of their family. I'm so glad we have a parenting conference coming up on a Saturday. Don't we all need it? Those who are uh, currently acting as, uh, not acting as, are fulfilling the responsibility of a parent. Sometimes I just wish it were an acting job, but it's, it's, it's the real thing. It's real life. And so an elder and a deacon must be the husband of one wife. He must manage his own household well, if someone can't, if their kids are out of control, if their family finances are out of control, that, then they, they have no business really trying to lead the church. And one of the evidences that, that we've been looking at as we've been uh, in this process with, with discerning whether men are, are, are qualified and competent and called to serve uh, as elders and as we've been building our deacon team is we're, trying, we're looking at the person's home. We're looking at their family, their, their wives and their children. And how is the household being managed? Because the way someone manages their household will reflect the way the church is managed. And a loving home, a well-organized home, will overflow in hospitality. That, that, that when things are going well at home, there is, a, there is a, a sense of, we want some other people to enjoy what we have going on in our place. And so we're going to invite people over and have them over for dinner. Or we're going to have a lengthy conversation with someone out in the foyer or take them out for dinner. And we are going to welcome new people because our family is healthy. We want to be hospitable. So those things go hand in hand. So elders and deacons must be qualified in terms of character, must be qualified in terms of a family, and then thirdly, they must be qualified in terms of maturity. It's, it, uh, Paul writes to Timothy in verse, in verse 6 there, do you see it? It says, he must not be a recent convert, okay? There's no newbies, all right? You, you, you need to do a couple of laps around, around the track before you're even considered to be, uh, to be an elder or a, or a deacon. Likewise, let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. There, there needs to be a process. There needs to be a, a, a maturing among those who are to serve uh, in church leadership. So those are the, the three characteristics that, um, uh, that elders and deacons hold in common. Character, family, and maturity. If someone doesn't have those things happen, 
happening, then they can't be considered to be a leader in the church. But then for the office of elder, because of what an elder does, there are two additional qualifications. One is that they must be able to teach. Look at verse 2 in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says that, that, that an elder must be able to teach. The parallel passage in Titus says that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, an elder has to know their way around the Bible. They have to be able to walk someone through the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation and trace the whole storyline. They have to be comfortable talking about the different themes or topics that come up from God's Word. When someone shares with them a problem, they need to know what Bible verse is actually going to be able to help them. They need to be able to teach. They also, they need to know the Word of God so well that if someone were to contradict contradict what the Word of God says, their, their heresy radar would start to go off. And, and that they would be able to, to lovingly rebuke or, uh, and, and correct those who are teaching something that is false. They're, they're very familiar with, with what the Word of God says. I've had the privilege of, of trying to train some elders at a, another Great Commission collective church, and I was meeting with these, uh, with these brothers, and uh, one of them said that his, his, his father was a banker, and the banker, before, before he became a teller, he spent two weeks in the safe, two weeks in the vault. <laughs> I think they let him out in between. They let him go home. Two weeks in the vault, and all he did was handle money. He just handled cash. He, they, they, they wanted their tellers to know what the money felt like. They wanted the tellers to know what the money looked like, how it felt in their hands, how much it weighed, how much two bills weighed. How much they, for two weeks, all, it, all they did was just handle money so that when a counterfeit came in, they, were, they would be able to recognize it immediately. And this is what all of us are called to do, especially elders, is that we have to be so familiar with the Word of God. We have to handle it so regularly that if something foreign were to try to be slipped in, if, if something contradictory to what God's Word said, we, no, 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 that's not it. I know what the Word of God says. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't smell right. That doesn't have the right weight to it. That doesn't look like the truth. And this is something that, again, there's nothing, there's nothing about teaching when it, when it talks about a deacons. This is something that, that the elders are called to do, is to be able to teach the Word of God. To be able to take someone cover to cover through what the Bible teaches and to be able to rebuke those who contradict the Word of God. And then the ability to teach leads right into uh, the, the, the last qualification for elders that sets the office of elder apart from uh, the office of deacon. And that is that elders are supposed to be men according to God's word. If you go back one, uh, one uh, chapter and look at chapter 2 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived 
but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, Paul here makes it very, very clear that those who are to teach and to have authority are men. And so if elders are to teach and have authority, elders must be men. Now, God has, uh, uh, in his infinite wisdom, uh, created man and women. He's created them uh, equal uh, in his image. This is not an issue of equality. This is an, an issue of role and responsibility. God has, a, has given a special role and responsibility for the husband and the wife, the man and the woman within a marriage. God has a special responsibility for men in the church to serve as elders. And, and Paul here doesn't say, uh, I do not permit a uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority because I'm a chauvinist. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority because at the culture right now, this would be unpopular, and so don't do it. That's not what Paul says. Look what he appeals to. He appeals to Adam and Eve. He goes right back to creation and how Adam was was given the command and how Adam was made responsible to work the garden and to keep it, how Adam was there while the whole conversation is going on between Eve and, uh, and the serpent. It says Eve took the fruit and gave it to her husband who was with her. He was with her the whole time. The, the story of the fall is really a failure on Adam's leadership and the calling on his life. So again, doctrines like this don't make Hope Church particularly popular, but we, we know we lost the popularity contest. And, uh, and and we, 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 we know what a man is, and we know what a woman is, and we know what the difference is. Men and women are not the same. And men and women are, are, are created, again, equal in the image of God, but have distinct roles within, uh, within the family and within uh, the church family as well. Our doctrinal statement has this to say on this topic. Hope Church Mississauga affirms the God-ordained and significant role that women should play in establishing and leading the local church. Every leadership opportunity is open to women except those that are excluded by Scripture. The Scriptures clearly state that men are to serve in the office of elder and that women are not to serve in church positions in which they exercise authority over men or in which they teach doctrine to men. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and 3 and Titus, these are the passages we've been looking at. We do not see this as an issue of equality for men and women are equal under God. The Bible is clear that men and women do not have the same roles. Qualified women should serve in any leadership position that is not forbidden in scriptures. So women, qualified women should serve in any leadership position that is not forbidden in the scriptures. So that raises the question, what about deacons? Well, deacons don't have to teach. Deacons don't have to teach with authority. And so can a, can a woman serve as a deacon? I'm glad you asked. Uh, take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. In fact, look at the whole flow of the argument. Go back to chapter 3, verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be, and there's the list of qualifications. Look at verse 8. Deacons likewise. So, in the same way, there's qualifications for elders. Likewise, there's qualifications for deacons. And then look at verse 11. It says, their wives likewise. That word likewise is sort of a, it, 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 
it's a marker of a, a new heading as he's opening up a new theme or a new category. Now, some people believe that Paul here is outlining just qualifications for deacons' wives. Well, why are there qualifications for deacons' wives if there aren't qualifications for elders' wives? Or, or, or maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's just talking about wives of elders and deacons, but again, that the flow doesn't really follow. Also, as we're reading in the ESV, uh, it says wives, but there's a, there's a footnote on the word wives there where it just simply says women. And uh, one of the ways that, the, that again, we, um, we hold this, uh, our understanding of God's Word on this particular topic with, with an open hand. This isn't sort of a closed-hand issue. There are many really good churches that would say that women can't serve as deacons. But, but you, you could also read 1 Timothy 3.11 to be saying that women must be dignified. Women who are serving as deacons. And then we also read at the end of Romans, as Paul's giving this list of greetings, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a, it's again, our English Bibles translate it servant, but the word there is diakonos, the word is deacon. Phoebe was a deacon. And so based off the, the, the fact that wives can be understood as women and that we have a woman who's being called a deacon, uh, that, that women can serve, and that's why you saw when, we, when we're showing pictures of elders, it's just men. But when we're showing uh, our, our deacon team, it is men and uh, women. And again, some uh, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches would disagree uh, with us on this. But because deacons don't have to teach with authority, that frees up women to be able to serve uh, in, that, uh, in that office. So those are the biblical qualifications for elders and deacons. Now let's get into biblical responsibilities. What are elders supposed to do? What are deacons supposed to do? If you summarize all of the teaching on eldering in the New Testament, you'd see that elders are called to lead, teach, protect, and care. And if, if you picture in your mind what a shepherd does, a shepherd is walking out in front of the sheep. So there is leadership. Hey, sheep, we're here right now, but I'm going to take you to another place. And oftentimes, a shepherd leads the flock from one place to another so that they can feed. And that's what teaching is about. Feeding is teaching the people of God. It's feeding the sheep, the word. And as the shepherd is leading the flock from one place to another, as they are feeding, we have, we, 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 you might picture in your mind a wolf or some sort of other animal that is trying to attack the sheep, and then the shepherd attacks the wolves to protect the sheep. And then maybe along the way, a sheep falls into a crag or, 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 or breaks a, a, a leg or something like that. And the shepherd is supposed to care for the injured or the wounded sheep. This is, this is what elders are supposed to do. They're supposed to lead the church. Hey, church, we're here, and God is leading us, and when we are going to go in this direction. Hey, church, open up your Bibles. It's, it's, it's feeding time. I want to feed you and teach you the Word of God. Hey, church, uh, we're, we're protecting you from this false doctrine. Hey, hey, church member, we're coming alongside you and caring for you as you're, as you're broken and hurting right now. This is what elders are called to do. This is what Paul told uh, the, uh, the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter uh, 20. 
He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert." Shepherds are to lead the flock. They are to protect. There's a watchfulness. There is an alertness that that elders need to to be careful of. And they need to watch watch themselves. Not just looking after the flock, but watching themselves. And then the qualifications for deacons are not quite as clear. We don't have a job description spelled out for deacons. But as we look at the book of Acts, and as we look at what the word deacon actually means, a deacons are, their main responsibility is to serve the church. A deacon is a servant. They serve the church, and they support the elders. That's their role and responsibility, serving the church and supporting the elders. We, we see this in uh, Acts chapter 6. Uh, these people are not called uh, deacons, but what they're called to do is deaconing. This is a familiar story. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution or the daily deaconing. A deacon is someone who serves tables. They, 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 they had a they, they had a feeding uh, ministry where they were feeding those who were poor, who were widows. This is a multicultural church. You've got Hellenists, you've got Jews, you've got people from different backgrounds, and there was a, a potential sense of disunity and disharmony within the church. And it, result, it, it came because of deaconing, because of the way the food was being served. The twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve or to deacon tables. The elders or the, the apostles at this point are saying, we need support. We need support so that we can do our job. We need a group of people who can do that job to serve the church. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But that word ministry of the word is the word deaconing. So the the elders are supposed to deacon with the word of God. And the deacons are supposed to minister with, with practical help. Deacons serve by, by looking at situations within the church that are possible sources of disunity and disorganization. And deacons are to are to uh, are, are, are deacons are to look at those situations together with the elders to serve the church, support what the elders are doing, to promote unity where there's disunity, and to bring organization where there's disorganization. And that can look a number of different ways in different churches and different seasons in the life of a church. So those are the biblical responsibilities. And then lastly, the biblical pattern and power. Where, where is our ultimate 
model? Where, where is, is the pattern that we are supposed to follow as elders and as deacons? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5, we already looked at this a passage once. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This is how we're supposed to lead, not in a domineering way, but in, in a humble way. And when, look at verse four, when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus is the senior pastor. He is the elder of the elders, the overseer of the overseers, the shepherd of the shepherds. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, the elders who are leading and the saints who are to be subject to the elders. We all need to be clothed with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now remember, Jesus came to save, only he can save. Jesus came to shepherd, and he's entrusted shepherding responsibility uh, to the elders, and Jesus has come to serve, and he's entrusted that responsibility to uh, the deacons. Now that word shepherd, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am the good pastor. It's the same word. And when Jesus says, I I have not come to be served, but to serve, he's saying, I have come to deacon. Jesus is the archdeacon, the ultimate lead deacon. And he has given us a model for how elders are supposed to serve and deacons are supposed to serve, not domineering. Because how did Jesus shepherd? Keep reading the verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. How did Jesus serve? How are deacons supposed to serve? I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. You see, the church gets into big problems when the leaders and the congregation thinks that the leadership position means that the leader gets put on a pedestal. Wrong. Being a leader in the church doesn't put you on a pedestal. It puts you on a cross. That the, it, it says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. And that, listen, leading is hard. Leading is difficult. But leading does not put you on a pedestal. Leading doesn't give you a special parking space or whatever sort of benefits that you might think go along with it. Leading is serving. Leading is humility. Leading is getting low. The organizational chart of every church should be inverted where the elders and the deacons are at the bottom, not at the top. Because, the, because we're following Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the ultimate elder. He is the ultimate deacon. And so, loved ones, this is what we are called to do. And so, listen, only three of us right now are elders. And there's 10 or 11 of us who are deacons. There might be three more elders who are added. And there's hundreds of us who are members of the congregation And so we know what elders are supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? What is the rest of the church supposed to do? The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those, this this is so key, as those who will give an account. There's accountability all the way down the line. The, 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 
the, the church family is, is again, by, by faith, trusting that Jesus is the ultimate elder and the ultimate deacon, chooses to submit to imperfect, in-process elders and deacons, to submit to them, because those elders and deacons are submitting to Christ, and they're going to have to give an account. One day, I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for the members of Hope Church Mississauga. Roy is going to have to do the same. Pastor Chris is going to have to do the same. Lord willing, Dinesh and Tim and Chris Carr, we're all going to, we're, we're all going to have to give an account. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So loved ones, this is, listen, this is how it works. It, it ultimately is all about Jesus. L let me show you what I mean. So Jesus is, he is the pattern for shepherding. He's the pattern for how elders should act. He's the pattern for serving, how deacons should act. And Jesus is also the pattern for submitting because of the way that he submitted to the Father so, we have elders who are looking to Jesus. We have deacons who are looking to Jesus. The whole church is looking to Jesus. If we want to know how leaders are to lead and how followers are to follow and how church members are to submit, and, and it all centers around Jesus. Jesus is the pattern. He lays it out. And then we, by faith, rely on Jesus' power to follow his pattern. We look at his pattern. We look at the qualifications for elders, and no one can say, oh, yeah, I got this. No, you look at the qualifications for elders and say, Lord, help me. Not just the qualifications, but the responsibility of leading and teaching and, and protecting and caring. I can't do that like Jesus. So Jesus, I need you to help me. So Jesus lays out the pattern, and then we, by faith, rely on his power. Submitting is hard. Serving is hard. Leading is hard. We all have a hard task ahead of us, but we trust Jesus to give us the power to do that. And then, by faith, we repent when we fail to follow his pattern. We, yes, Jesus has laid out the pattern. And yes, we are trying to rely on his power, but we all still struggle with sin. Pride gets in the way, and fear of man gets in the way, and lust for power gets in the way, and control gets in the way. And we fail. Sometimes members fail to submit to the elders. Sometimes elders fail in leading the congregation well. Sometimes deacons fail in fulfilling their responsibility. But we go back to the one who is the ultimate elder, the ultimate deacon, the ultimate example of what it means to submit. Loved ones, it's all about him.